Dignity and Care. The podcast of Center for Child Protection at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. In order not to regret sexual abuse only, but to correct it, the Catholic Church initiated the Center for Child Protection nine years ago. After a pilot phase in Munich, Germany, the project went to Rome as part of the Pontifical Gregorian University. Man of the first hour of this institute is Father Hans Solner, who is sitting across from me now. Welcome, Father Hans. Thank you, Herr In this episode, we will explain what the practical work of the CCP looks like. On the Internet, you can find information about prevention and sexual abuse of children by lots of institutes, societies or government agencies. What is different about the work of the CCP? The CCP is an academic institution within a university setting. We have offered from the beginning learning programs for people from around the globe. We are international, we are intercultural in our team in the composition of our personnel, as well as in our intellectual, academic and formative outreach. And uh, we are located in Rome, the center of the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. What does the work of the CCP exactly look like? Now, first and foremost, uh, we try to um, raise awareness about the necessity to do safeguarding work, to work towards a safer church and a safer society. And that includes as an academic institution, uh, the formation, the academic education uh, of people in all kinds of capacities. Um, so we offer a, a diploma course uh, in safeguarding, a one semester course in Rome, in English and in Spanish. We offer a, a full master's degree, a two years a second cycle degree uh, in safeguarding and a doctorate as well as uh, a blended learning. This was our beginning. We started off with um, offering e-learning units to institutions uh, who supply then their on-site training and the combination of e-learning units that you can watch and work on online and uh, what you do then on the ground on site is called blended learning. Mm -hmm. That sounds demanding, but what can I learn about protecting children? I think I have to protect them full stop. What exact content? If it were as easy as, yes, all of us are aware that uh, we protect children, that we create safe space, then we wouldn't have cases of abuse. So obviously there's a problem there. And um, that is much bigger than we realize within the church and within society at large. Uh, so what can we learn about protecting children is that uh, we we learn about the different types of abuse that can happen, not only sexual, uh, but also psychological, emotional, uh, physical abuse, um, maltreatment. We can learn about how we educate parents, teachers, medical doctors, psychologists, priests, so that uh, they first and foremost don't uh, abuse themselves, but they are also aware of the risk factors of uh, abuse uh, from uh, adults towards children or young people or vulnerable adults, as well as uh, among peers, so uh, adolescents, um, abusing adolescents or children. Mm -hmm. We will go in detail later. Looking at your webpage, I found you have a team of nine persons, seven women and two men, that is clearly dominated by women. 
Is that typical of the topic? Now, I believe that uh, women are particularly sensitive uh, to um, the necessity to protect children. I believe that this has something to do with the female and, and motherly um, attitude. Um, and um, I think that especially within the Catholic Church, there is um, much more awareness among women, uh, lay women, consecrated uh, women uh, for this. And there is somehow a refusal among a certain number of men, including priests and bishops and cardinals, to really acknowledge the necessity to work in this field. But, uh, I mean, it's also true for psychology or for teaching professions in general. You will, in almost all parts of the world, you will find more women because this is a more um, a relational profession, which also demands that you enter uh, into a personal relationship in a certain type of way, in a very respectful way, in a very uh, gentle way. And um, uh, that's the reason I believe that uh, more women are working in this field than men. Mm -hmm. I realized that your team mainly has European and North American employees only. Looks like there were no prevention experts in South America or Africa. Now, that what you say is true for the administrative personnel. In our uh, office, there are uh, people from Europe and from North America. I have to say this has also to do with Italian labor law because it is not easy for someone from outside uh, the European Union to work in Italy and to find the, the legal um, disposition for that. However, in our teaching staff, we have now people from Rwanda, from Togo, Uh, from Mexico, uh, from um, other parts of the world that are working with us. And I believe that this will uh, increase over the years. Mm -hmm. So your staff is international, your program is international. And I ask myself, are there cultural differences concerning sexual education, collaboration, openness that are blocking your goals? What difference do you realize in your prevention efforts? Yeah, actually, this is a key question um, because... Uh, sexuality, uh, relationships, um, emotions, how you express emotions is very different from one part uh, of the world to another. I mean, you can even say that in a country like Germany, uh, in a country like Italy, um, in different parts of the country, you have different expressions of uh, how you greet people, how you talk uh, about certain topics, including sexuality. And, and that is ob obviously true if, uh, if we go outside um, the European context, uh, how in the many cultures of Africa or Asia or Latin America, uh, you find the uh, willingness um, and the capacity to express uh, something as delicate as sexuality is, um, is, is very uh, different. And I mean, uh, the CCP is an international, but um, most of all, also an intercultural and interdisciplinary Uh, endeavor. So we want to have uh, actually uh, knowledge, uh, at least uh, from different parts of the world. Therefore, we invite our partners, our partner institutions uh, in Indonesia, in Chile, in South Africa, uh, in Poland or wherever that may be uh, to contribute also to the uh, growth of our knowledge base. And, um, and we need to find a way how the different ways um, how people see and talk uh, about abuse about prevention, about shame, about uh, anger, uh, about healing, uh, that this is, is brought together and people can 
uh, can learn. We understand the CCP also as a channel of communication and a platform of exchange. You told me uh, there are big differences. Could you please give uh, any example uh, to show how big the difference can be uh, talking about sexual abuse, talking about uh, cultural things? You, you mentioned greeting and so. Any example? Okay, one example is precisely whether it is allowed, uh, I mean morally allowed, uh, in a certain society to mention even the word abuse in public. There are still, I would say, 150 countries in the world where you don't easily mention even the topic of abuse. Uh, so it is a taboo, a huge taboo. And um, I mean, go back 12 years in Germany, go back 30 years in the United States or in Ireland or in Australia, and you had no di public discussion about abuse. Um, I mean, the experts were working on this and people in the field knew what was going on even then, but there was no public awareness. We started in Germany only not even 12 years ago uh, to discuss this publicly at a certain stage at least. So you see that in societies, uh, there is a certain breaking point. I, I can't describe uh, what brings about the breaking point or what leads also to a different way of um, of talking about it, the capacity to, to name it. Um, but uh, at a certain point, uh, when it is reached, then people speak out. And, um, and uh, the sheer fact that in many parts of the world, you still have a very strong feeling of shame, a difficulty to even use the word uh, sexual abuse uh, shows that there, are, there is much to do uh, still on our uh, working uh, plan. I've learned that cultures are very different when it comes to gender roles, to sexual behavior. How do you find methods of preventing that work all over the world without ignoring the differences, without pushing social standards of Western countries? Yeah, that is one question that uh, certainly is central to our work. Um, there, one, on one hand, you can say that there are standards and there are common understandings. For example, rape is rape in every culture, and there is no discussion about that. However, how you um, talk about it, how you name it, uh, how you punish it, that is very different. Um, and um, the fact is that in many families, in many villages, in many rural areas, but also in, in cities in the world, Uh, much abuse is going on and it is not acknowledged. And um, we need to find a language that is understandable for the respective culture. Uh, and um, you have also to say that um, that is the, the task of the partners with whom we work on the ground because we cannot enforce um, our concepts, our language. We need to find a way Uh, so uh, that we communicate our concern, that we um, reaffirm that the common standards are really kept, but then how they talk about um, prevention of abuse, how they talk about the abuse that has happened, what words they use, uh, what formats of talking about it they use, that needs to be developed by the partners on the ground. And therefore, 
We hope that we develop a, a snowballing system that people who are working with us then on the ground, uh, at the grassroots level, they continue to develop their own implementation and inculturation. You help them for this translation work and uh, especially with e-learning programs. What is special about these programs? Now, more precisely, we call our approach blended learning. But uh, commonly, people talk about e-learning as uh, learning units on certain topics, in our case, on the prevention of abuse and the creation of uh, a safe space. Um, when you go uh, on a certain platform um, in the Internet and you you go through, let me say, videos, audios, uh, text that is provided, quizzes, um, and sometimes also online teaching uh, on one hand. These are the e-learning units. And mm -hmm. we offer at the moment uh, about 20 e-learning units in six different languages. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, we believe that especially with this topic, you cannot only rely on an internet learning tool. Mm -hmm. So you need also um, the uh, a partner institution that can supply, uh, especially what we have been speaking about uh, just a second ago, that is the language context, the juridical context, which varies greatly from country to country, a special way how uh, you approach Uh, particular situations. I mean, if <laughs> in Germany we don't need to think about um, how people in a tribe relate to each other, <laughs> that is an important question for safeguarding in Africa. Mm -hmm. Or uh, the caste system in India, what, what do you do there if there are certain boundaries that are not kept where uh, people from a higher caste can abuse uh, uh, children or adults from a lower caste without g going punished? You have been in India. I have been there for uh, six months uh, during a, a training, extended training period uh, as a Jesuit. And on one hand, uh, you could see that, for example, the separation of the, the sexes uh, goes so, uh, so far that in the bus, you can only travel um, either with your wife or on the side of uh, where only men sit and respectively for the women the same. Mm -hmm. So uh, th this shows that um, still now there are r huge differences in the understanding and the living out of relationships between the genders. Mm -hmm. And the justice system in India, uh, is it uh, important? important for them to have them ruled equally. Now, uh, that is very interesting with, with regard to uh, safeguarding, because in India, in 2013, uh, a national law was introduced, uh, which is very strict in uh, the measures and the punishment of abuse. And perpetrators are uh, severely punished according to that law. All the more as in India, every citizen is obliged to to report abuse. So there is mandatory reporting on paper. Every Indian citizen is obliged to report abuse to police in the moment when they learn about a suspicion or abuse that has taken place. Mm -hmm. Now this, I repeat, this is the on situation the paper. on paper. Yeah, okay. What happens really is quite different. Um, um, but, uh, uh, I mean, this shows that uh, uh, sometimes uh, other factors, in, in this case now, um, money, um, how you can bribe police uh, or law enforcement in general, how you can uh, play around, for example, the political influence or the religious influence, in this case in India, 
whether you belong to a higher caste or a lower caste and so so that influences how the law is applied and we need to understand that we we, we can say that's not okay uh, from our side of view this this should change but how do you change that on the ground just by Uh, asking people to, to behave differently, that doesn't work. Yeah, please behave differently. Um, one step back to blended learning. You mentioned blended learning. What's the difference uh, between blended learning and a normal e-learning? We, uh, the CCP, offer e-learning units um, and we provide material that, that uh, is helpful to understand the different topics that are dealt with uh, in, uh, in the e-learning uh, units. So, What are the risk factors for abuse? How you, do you uh, approach um, victims of abuse? How do you um, deal with perpetrators and so forth? And the partner institutions can uh, choose from among the 20 units and then uh, they have to supply uh, other units on site. So in class, in a group learning, because we believe that um, people who learn about this very heavy Uh, a very challenging topic of abuse and, and prevention of abuse um, can also work together. They know that they are not alone in this. Uh, and what we have always seen that people who, by learning about abuse, discover that they themselves have been abused or in their context, in their family, in their schools, among their friends, that uh, abuse has been going on or is going on, then they need immediate response. And, and this should be provided by the institution. Your students, uh, you are at university, the uh, Pontifical Gregorian University at Rome. Uh, in which professions do your graduates work when they're finished? Now, when we select the candidates for our residential programs, the diploma and the master's or licentiate course, uh, we choose only people uh, of whom we know uh, that their institutions will later on employ them in the safeguarding area. So they will become safeguarding officers for dioceses, for uh, religious congregations, for schools, for kindergarten, for uh, sports associations or whatever uh, will be their future work. So we insist that for at least five years after having received our training, they work in this field. Uh, otherwise, they cannot be accepted. Um, Of course, many of them will have part-time jobs in safeguarding. They will continue to teach in schools or universities. Uh, they will uh, uh, help in parishes. Um, they will be um, novice mistresses or whatever. Um, but they but, have a but solid they, base. They yeah. have a solid formation mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. safeguarding. Okay. Are the numbers of incidents of abuse falling through your network? Do you reach the societies? Can you measure it? It is very difficult to measure the success of uh, safeguarding work, especially if we talk about one measure or, or one institution um, that offers training. Of course, uh, we are interested to learn more about the effectiveness of our learning, and that is what we aim at also in a research um, project that we, we want to start. However, one can say from all the numbers we have from around the, the globe that in which country ever uh, you um, start to work seriously in safeguarding, where there is a general understanding and there are measures, concrete measures uh, implemented, for example, training of all teachers, training of all kindergarten personnel, training uh, of all seminarians, the number of abuse cases uh, from recent years goes down drastically. So safeguarding is effective. It brings down the numbers of new abuse um, of recent abuse considerably, how it works for us and for others, we don't know. There is not 
a, a real measurement. Uh, there are very, uh, very few instruments that can be applied. You told me uh, sexual abuse is not the only problem. There is also spiritual abuse. I'm sure for many people it is the first time they hear from spiritual abuse, but it seems to be a huge problem. Yeah, spiritual abuse, uh, what do we mean by that? Um, we mean that somebody tells another person, you should do this or that because God wants you to do this and because I am God's voice. Mm -hmm. And this, as we have seen over the last, especially the last three or four years, has happened and probably is still happening also in the Catholic Church, as I'm sure in all religions, um, where uh, priests or prophets or uh, special preachers or whatever you you call it, uh, spiritual directors, etc., abuse their spiritual power. Because we know that spirituality and religion for many people is an important part of their life. Mm -hmm. And uh, they trust the representative of the religion to which they adhere. So they trust them very often completely And sometimes even blind. Mm -hmm. I, c I could imagine it is uh, nearly impossible to, uh, to to have any preventive methods. Yeah, the, the preventive me measures uh, against spiritual abuse uh, needs to work on two sides. On the side of the spiritual director or the, the priest or whatever you call this position in mm -hmm. the religion. Uh, so that they know that they have a very high responsibility in what they say and how they say things and that they don't mistake their own impressions, their own feelings, their own judgment as the voice of God. Uh, because, uh, yes, we believe that God communicates, but he's, mm -hmm. he's uh, to us, uh, but he's, he's never uh, one who imposes uh, on, on people something that goes against their nature, their, their freedom or their health. And on the side of those who receive spiritual direction, we need to make clear that people need to stop going to a spiritual director once they realize that they are taken advantage of, that they are abused in some way or another, and that they uh, really can uh, then also report back to the authorities that this person uh, is abusing uh, his or her spiritual power and, and that this then is stopped once and for mm -hmm. all. One last question for today. How does your work develop in future? What about uh, the future of the CCP? Now, we have two sides uh, also for this. One is the institutional side. Uh, as of 1st of September 2021, we will become an institute. So the Center for Child Protection will become an institute of anthropology with the subtitle Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity and Care, Care for Vulnerable People. Uh, this is an institutional change uh, of uh, high importance for us because it means that from the lowest level of an academic um, independence, we come to the level of an institute, which will mean that we can award our own degrees, that we can have our own teaching faculty, our own professors, and that we can offer a doctorate. Uh, so this is important also for the whole work of academics and research. Uh, secondly, um, yes, uh, the change of name from child protection to human dignity and care, care for vulnerable people, shows that we need to broaden our scope. 
10 years ago, when we started the work at the CCP, the main attention or the exclusive attention was given to the protection uh, of minors of age and the sexual abuse against uh, people below the age of 18. Now, this has changed at the latest from 2017 on with the Me Too movement um, and uh, also, for example, with the Pope's remarks about sexual abuse of consecrated women in some parts of the world by priests and by others. So uh, what has become clear over the last years uh, is that we need to address the issue of abuse in different forms, not only sexual, mm -hmm. um, and uh, for different age groups and people in situations of vulnerability. Um, so this is uh, for us an important uh, addition alongside with the questions that have arisen over the last five, six, seven years, the question of institutional uh, settings, the systemic change that needs to take place. Uh, so there are many areas of interest and many areas of research in which we want uh, to develop the IADC further on, the Institute of Anthropology, Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity and Care. Okay, that's a new name. There's still a lot to do for you and the people in your institute. Father Hans, thank you for being with us today. Good luck for your plans in the future. Thank you for joining us. We would be happy to see you again on our next episode. At the microphone, Henrik Evers says goodbye. Dignity and Care, the podcast of Center for Child Protection at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. A production by the Catholic Media Company, St. Michaelsbund.